wonderful to be with you. Wait, wait, stay standing for just one minute. I love having the family together. I love having the family all together. So, you know, yeah, exactly. So we just, we have to take a family photo real quick, okay? So, um, so students, I, just, I need to get you up. So everybody, I want everyone to wave at me, all right? And, uh, all right, we're gonna start over here, all right? And we're just gonna keep going. And we're just gonna keep going, keep going. All right, all of you, oh my gosh, what a good, oh, so, sir, you, you, in the back, you were not smiling. I, I'm, all right, go ahead, you can have a seat. It is great to be with you. I hope you've had a wonderful summer. I hope that uh, you have enjoyed sunshine. I hope you are anticipating an incredible fall. I hope that, that you are expecting that God has incredible plans for you, that he has a, a great purpose for your life over like he does. He has such great days in store for us. And, and uh, I just, I cannot wait to see what it is that God has for us, what he's going to unveil for us in this fall season. Um, if you are here, this is your first time, you're just joining us online, you need to know that you're surrounded by some of the most outlandishly loving people in all of Seattle. And yeah, it's just, it's so great. And, and the rest of us are learning to be outlandishly loving. We're, we're on that journey. And uh, what I'd like to do right now is just let's ask Jesus to be with us and to bless us and to open up his will for us. So if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, we do come to you with humble hearts. And we have hearts that are, are filled with gratitude. We recognize your goodness over us. We recognize your love poured out for us. And, and we ask right now, as we spend these moments together as a church family, that you would open up to us your desire for us, that you would show us gently what the next steps are for each one of us in our faith journey. We trust that you're here. We are so excited to see what it is that you have in store for us. We just ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to grab your notes out of your handout, you'll see that today's message is called, When You Love Somebody. When You Love Somebody. And if you're filling in the blanks, the first one's real simple. When you love somebody, tell them. You got to tell them. You, you, you got to let them know. It's not just like signals, smoke signals or something. Like just hope they pick up on the vibe. You, when you love somebody, you have to tell them. And as far as I know, humans are the only beings in the entire universe that are wired to write love letters. Found a couple of love letters this week. Here's one, one of my favorites, actually. Nothing says love like the last strip of bacon, right? It's a beautiful way to communicate your love. We found this one. This is a little more interesting. And I'll give you a second to read that. You know, love and hand darts. Nothing says love like a sporting chance, right? May the odds ever be in your favor. I, I, I would tell you this, that, that many, many years ago, when I was 25 years old, I wrote a trembling letter to my girlfriend. And it, it, I had been, we'd been dating for about six months, and then the summer came, and she went on this inner city mission and, and in this inner city mission, they kind of had these parameters about how they were supposed to live kind of monastically there. And so I was only allowed one phone call with my girlfriend a week. And it was killing me because I was head over heels for her. I, 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 I just thought about her all the time and I wanted to be with her. I thought, you know, dreamed about what our life could be like together. And so at the end of that summer, 
I knew she was coming home. I poured my heart out into a letter. I just poured all of my emotion, everything, with great lyrical genius and poetry, and it, quoting some scripture and some of the great writers through the ages. This letter, ironically, has not survived. And, and I, just, I, I, I just told her all of my love, and I put it on a page. Basically, I took my heart out and, and put it on a page. And I sealed it in an envelope, and then I clutched it in my sweaty hands as we met for the first time for a date after that long summer, and I was ready to give her this letter. But first, I needed to find out how she felt about me. And yes, no, yes, no, right? And so the words sticking in my throat, I said, Jody, I've written you a letter but I need to know first, how do you feel about me? <laughs> and I literally was, I remember I was, I was sweating and trembling, the words stuck in my throat. I couldn't breathe. And the entire universe leaned in to listen as she said, oh, I love you. And I said, thank God. <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> now, that is completely gutless, just so you know. And I just have to ask, how many of you have ever done something that weak sauce? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, I see that hand. I see that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Cowards all over the room. <laughs> Not even brave enough to raise your hand. So here's what I'm trying to say. We cannot do it like that. We, we cannot be the ones who shirk from telling others of our love. We have to be bold. We have to be courageous. We have to be the ones who go first in communicating the love that we have. Why? Because the point is when you love somebody, you have to tell them. And the Bible says this clearly again and again and again. The Bible tells us that we are to love one another, that we are to show our love and we are to say our love. We're to love with our words but not only with our words. We can't just pretend to love people. We have to really love people. So let me give you your first assignment today. You want to write this in the blank somewhere. The first assignment is there is somebody in your life that you do love, but who hasn't heard it from you for a while. And you need to tell them. Tell them this week. You need to thoughtfully communicate it Today, you, it, it could be your little brother who you spar with all the time. It, it could be a, a, a coworker that, that you kind of, you know, you guys rub each other the wrong way. It, it might be a spouse and there's been a little distance uh, lately. I, I don't know who it is in your life, but I promise you there's someone that needs to hear from you this week that you love them. That you go ahead and take the initiative, you go first, and you love them. You know, Jesus says, as I have loved you, you must love one another. It's important to ask, how has he loved us? You guys realize God told us that he loved us first. God wrote the letter first. He didn't wait to see how we felt about him. He's the one who communicated that he loves us. Us. Look what the scripture says, Jeremiah 31.3. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. Circle that phrase. 
with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. What are some of the ways that he has shown us his everlasting love? Well, first, he, he just provision, that he provides for us daily food and clothing and for many of us, a warm bed to sleep in. He provides blessing over us, friendship and laughter and comfort and care, sunshine. This summer, I promise you, he's provided beauty. He's provided just incredible, this gorgeous Northwest. He's provided s'mores for so many of us. Now that falls here, the Seattle Seahawks. Come on, somebody, right? Now, all of these things that God provides are called common grace. In other words, these are ways that he displays his love not only to you and to me, but to everybody, to every human that has ever lived on planet Earth. These are the ways that God has shown his love. And so I want you to think about this. If you have ever enjoyed a delicious meal... If you have ever appreciated the aroma of a flower, if you've ever sat and watched a crimson sunset, if you've ever jumped into the sparkling waters of a lake, you need to know that is God telling you he loves you. 10,000 times every single day, God is not ashamed to show his love for you. And above all of this, he has tangibly given us his love in Jesus Christ. You see, our Father knew most of all we needed to be forgiven and we needed to be saved. And so while we were far from him, he provided forgiveness and salvation in Jesus. And that's why you most clearly see his love for us on the cross. It's on the cross that you and I see clearly his love portrayed for us in Jesus who laid down his life so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be cleansed, so that we could be saved, so that we could be empowered to live a full and a free, abundant life that he invites us into, so that we could have the promise of being surrounded by his love, not only for this lifetime, but for eternity, right? Very, very clearly, we see God's love for us on the cross. And God has written his love for us in this book, in the Bible. See, God, God wrote it from start to finish. God penned this love letter to us. And he didn't wait for us. He, he sent it first. And he said, see, I love you. And, and I'm not afraid to show it. I'm not ashamed to say it. I love you. This is God's heart for you. And the word that is used most often in the Psalms about God's love is the word unfailing, right? Unfailing, that his, his love, we read in the scripture, it's everlasting and it's unconditional and it's unfailing. It will never end. It'll never give up. It will always come through. See, he has clearly told us and shown us that he loves us. And so my question, have you told him that you love him? You see, it's Labor Day, that's what we celebrate this weekend, and so the, the labor that the Bible tells us that it's important for us to do, it's to settle the issue of how we come at God. And this is what the Bible says in John 6, 29, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you, believe in the one he has sent. That's our work that we believe in Jesus, that we trust in Jesus. So here's my second assignment for today, that you would tell Jesus that you love him. 
that you, would, that you would say to Jesus, I love you, I believe in you, and I want to love you with my life, with the choices I make, with how I interact with other people. And you can tell him right now. You can whisper this to him. You can say this in your heart. That, Jesus, I love you. But again, I would challenge you, don't wait. Because if you love somebody, you need to tell them. If you love Jesus... Today, make it another opportunity to say, Jesus, I love you. And if you've never said that, then I want to encourage you. I want you to think about all the ways he's communicated his love for you. And I would challenge you today, step across that line and say, Jesus, I love you. And by the way, Overlake, I just want you to know, you've heard me say this many, many times. I love you. I, I love you, Overlake. I love being a part of your, this church family. I, I, I think you are incredibly kind and compassionate. I think you are incredibly gracious and generous. I, I, I am so impressed with the way that you love God and you love one another and you serve the world. I, I just, I cannot believe, and when people ask me, I tell them all the time, oh, I love my church. I, I love our family. I love our volunteer leadership. I love our staff. I love our elders. I love you, Overlake. Many of you, I get a chance to speak with last week, I was in the hallway, and I had maybe three and a half hours of conversation last week. So many of you I got a chance to interact with, and, and I just come away from a Sunday like that more in love with you than ever. I love the intergenerational church that God has built. I love the diverse church that God has built. It, it is so incredible to be on this faith journey with you. That When I drive my kids down the road, and, and they kind of get sick of this because they get sick of all my jokes, but I... I, I say, you guys want to see a great church? You guys want to see an incredible church? That church right there is a great church. That is a loving church. It's an, an incredible church. It's not the only great church, but it's a great, great church. And they're like, Dad, that's our church. I'm like, I know. I know. And it's a great one. You got to write that down. Okay, so it brings me actually to the next point. It's not just that if you love somebody, you've got to tell them, although that is absolutely true, but it, it's if you love something, if you love somebody, you've got to tell other people as well, right? You've got to share that love with other people as well. Don't keep your love a secret. Be willing to shout your love from the rooftops. I'm in love. Be wide open about it. Be loud about it. I'm in love. I'm in love. And you know, humans, typically speaking, you look through history, there are three things that we mere mortals love. We love candy, we love sports, and we love travel. So today we have a few giveaways, and I uh, just want to let you know, the first giveaway is, uh, well, our three giveaways are uh, Sour Patch Kids, Sounders Tickets, and Santorini Grease, okay? So just think about how you love these things, and then we're going to do a giveaway. So the first giveaway, I just, I'm going to ask for hands of anybody who wants these Sour Patch Kids. All you have to do is just come up and tell me one thing you love about them. So I see front row, black shirt. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, you right there. Come on. Hustle up here. Huh? So what do you love about Sour Patch Kids, right? No, no, say, say it again. It's candy. That's, uh, you know what? Give him a hand. He's got it. Share those with your bros, you know. Share the love, share the tears of pain as, as you eat those Sour Patch Kids. Now, the next giveaway we have, we have a couple of Sounders tickets. And again, you know, Sounders, right? Like, we just got rid of Ziggy, but now we got a new comeback train that's happening right now. So who wants some Sounders tickets? 
You know what, beam it, get up here. Come on. Yeah, come on. One, all you got to do, bro, come, hustle, hustle. All you got to do is just say one thing you love about the Sounders, okay? It's a sports team. <laughs> you guys, I just want a little clarify. If, if you're writing a love letter to a girl, let's get a little more, gen, uh, gen, not general, a little more specific than, than the, it's candy, it's a sports team. Girl, you don't want to say, you're a girl. Like that, that that's not, that's not going to work, Okay. When I say one thing you love, like, think, what do I love? And then just share that one thing. Okay, here it is. They are really good. Come on, give me a hand. All right, they're good. They're getting better. Right, good job. All right, and Santorini, anybody want a trip to a Grecian island? I've been there. It's beautiful. Yeah, there's no way we have tickets to a Grecian island. I'm sorry. Not a chance. No, no, we're a church. Come on. <laughs> Use your tithe money to buy tickets to Greece. Come on. <laughs> Crazy. Okay, so sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, I, I, hope, I hope you receive that in good fun. You know, God did make Santorini as an element of his common grace for us, right? It's just, just knowing it's there is a beautiful thing. Okay, so if you love something, right, you got to not just, you, you don't just share your love with the person you love, you share your love with others as well. And, and the main point that I want you to see in this, and you can write this down, it's where there is excitement, there is invitement. Where, where there is excitement in your heart about someone, about something, you're going to invite others along with you on that journey. You see a movie that you love that really speaks to you, that makes you laugh, that moves you powerfully, you're going to invite others along that way as well. In your relationship with Jesus, you love Jesus, you're following Jesus, you're passionate about being in this thing with Jesus, and you're going to invite others to come along as well. Because friends, the truth is, you leak what you love. What you love, you leak. It just spills out of you. It, it just comes out of your pores. It's an aroma that surrounds you. Where there is excitement, there is invitement. And so, again, I want to go back to this letter that I wrote to, to Jody. I, I, I wrote my love to her in a letter, and then she professed her love verbally to me. And then I gave her my letter, and she read about my love for her, which I had written previous to her expression of love to me. So really, I did say it first, but I was too chicken to give it to her. But that's beside the point. What, what I'm trying to say is after we professed our love privately, about a year and a half later, in front of 500 of our parents' best friends, <laughs> we got married and we professed our love publicly in that context. Before God, before family, before friends, we declared our love to one another and our commitment that was built around that love. And we said, we don't know the storms that might lie ahead. We don't know the mountaintops we might climb together. But we're choosing to love one another no matter what comes. And, and, and so we made a public profession of our love in front of all those there. I think we have a picture of that day that, that I could share with you. And uh, just kidding, that's not me. My mullet was actually much more impressive than that. But I, I just want you to see how this whole thing works, right? That if you love someone, you don't just tell them, you tell somebody else. 
and in, in my relationship with Jody that culminated in a wedding. Because a wedding is a way to communicate publicly the love that we had for one another privately. Now, in your faith journey, how that happens is through baptism. Baptism is that public proclamation of your love, that public commitment that you're making to the Lord, but you've already made it in your heart. And so there's a few things that I want to talk to you about baptism. Baptism is that way to communicate your, your love. You know, privately you say, Jesus, I love you. And then publicly you say to others, I am following Jesus for the rest of my life. And if you're filling in the blanks, the first one you need to know is that baptism involves a turning. It involves a turning. Uh, and the word for turning in the Bible that's used most often is the word Repent. So anytime you're reading through the Bible, you're reading through the New Testament, and Jesus says, or John, the baptizer says, anybody, the disciples, they say, repent, they, that really literally means turn, turn around, right? Turn away. So here's what Peter says in Acts 2, 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent, that turn, must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so you recognize in your faith journey, you, you, you say, I turn from a life without Jesus, and I turn toward a life with Jesus. I turn from a life where I am my own God, and I turn into a life where God is the Lord of my life. I, I turn from a life where I'm doing it all by my own power to a life where I receive power from the Holy Spirit, and he carries me through. So you have to recognize that baptism is that, it's that beautiful picture of what it looks like to turn, right, to repent. The next fill-in is that baptism is what we call a potent symbol. It's a potent symbol, a lot like a wedding ring. And for those of you who know me, you, you know that, that I wear this wedding ring, and it communicates that I am, in fact, married to that beautiful woman that I wrote a letter to so many years ago. And, and, and so that's what this, it's a, it's a potent and powerful symbol that's communicated publicly. But here's what I want you to notice. I want you to note that if for some reason I have to take my wedding ring off, if I have to take it off because I'm handling acid or wrestling an alligator, any number of reasons, and, and I take off my wedding ring, it doesn't mean that I'm suddenly not married. And if someone else happens to wander by and pick up my ring and put it on their finger, it certainly doesn't mean that that person is now automatically married to Jody, right? The ring is not magic, and neither is baptism. This ring does not make me married. It just communicates that I am. And so you need to recognize baptism is not magic. It's not like, oh, I don't even know what I believe. I don't even know what's going on with my life. My life is a total mess. Maybe I'll get baptized and then I'll be fixed. It doesn't work that way. But if you already have trusted in Jesus and you're already walking with Jesus, you love Jesus, you want to be even more in love with Jesus, you want to even be more intimate in your relationship with him, you want to be even a, a, a better, a closer follower of Jesus, then baptism is a way that you publicly communicate those commitments you've already made in your heart. And it's a potent symbol because it communicates something. Here's what the scripture says, Colossians 
It says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. And so you look at that passage, you realize, okay, what it's saying is that God raised Jesus from the dead to new life. And and in the same way, he's going to raise me to new life. The reason why it's a potent symbol is because what we do in baptism is we do immersion in water. So we'll fully lower someone underneath water. And and we do that because as Jesus was laid in the tomb, as we go under the water, we're identifying with that reality that this old way of life is gone. It's dead and buried. And just as Jesus was raised to new life by the power of God, so we identify with the fact that now we're raised up out of the water to live a new life empowered by the Spirit of God. And if you've never really experienced baptism or you don't know what it looks like, please watch this video. This, these are recent baptisms that we've had here at Overlake. So beautiful. I, I was thinking of a story. My, uh, the old pastor that I used to have when I was down in Southern California, Rick Warren, he's not that old. I don't, he's, he's my old pastor, but he's not old. Uh, sorry. Uh, he, he was telling me a story about after he and his wife Kay first got married, and they were driving in the car together. It was maybe the day after, a couple of days after they got married, and they're driving in the car, and he looks at his wife, and he says, you know, it's really interesting. He says... I don't feel married for some reason. And she looked at him with a deadpan expression. She said, I don't care how you feel. You're married, Buster. Remember it, you know? And it's a little bit like that with, with our faith journey, right? That, that we get baptized and, 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 and we make this public profession and we want to walk with Jesus, but then there may be times when you're not really feeling it, right? When you, Maybe, maybe you're not emotionally connected there, and, 
And it's a good thing to remember, look, sometimes you're going to feel incredibly intimate with the Lord. Sometimes you're going to feel incredibly powerful in your walk with him. And then there are other times when you don't, when you, you feel a little distant. And, but it's important to remember that just like, just like a marriage, you are, right? You are a follower of Jesus. If you've been baptized, you are a, a child of God and you have made that public profession of faith and you are on that journey. The next thing I want to say about baptism is that baptism, in the Bible, baptism was always immediately associated with belief. So if you're filling in the blanks, baptism in the Bible was used to immediately identify with Jesus. There was very little lag time between a time a person trusted in Jesus and when they or their family were baptized. And so here's one story in the Bible. We read about a Jesus follower named Philip. And Philip was helping people learn about Jesus, and God brought him to a road where an important man who worked for the queen of Ethiopia was traveling, and he was reading the Jewish scriptures. He was reading the portion of the Bible that we call the Old Testament, and this is, uh, this is what happens. Philip ran over, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, from the book of Isaiah in our Bible. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Some of you already know this, but this passage from Isaiah is not about the prophet Isaiah himself. The passage in Isaiah is actually about Jesus. In Isaiah 52 and 53, um, there's this incredible uh, set of prophecies all referring to the suffering servant of the Lord. And those prophecies are written about Jesus, about the way Jesus is going to live, about the way Jesus will die, about the reason why Jesus will die. It's so he can pay the penalty for our sin. And, and, and all of this prophetically was written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And so what Philip does is he uses that passage from the book of Isaiah, and he begins to talk about Jesus. This is what it says. It says, so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now, the point that I want you to see is it happens immediately. Look, here's some water. Can, can I get baptized? And Philip says, sure. There's nothing to prevent you from being baptized. If you believe, you, you're ready. Baptism is the next step. And so baptism in the New Testament, I just want you to see, it went belief and baptism. It went decision and dunking, right? Like It was super connected. And, and the reason why I bring this up is because it's not as connected in our world today in the way that sort of we, we've done it in American Christianity. And, and, I, and I just want you to know, as a pastor, I've had many conversations with folks throughout the last 25 years. When I know somebody is following Jesus, I know they've made a decision to trust Jesus. I know that they're a Jesus follower. They love him. And yet they have not yet been baptized. And so in those conversations, they tell me something like, well, I'm just, 
not ready, or I, do, I just don't know if I'm ready to be baptized yet. And so I'll gently probe a little bit. What, well, what are you thinking? Why do you think you're not ready? And inevitably what comes up is, is they're basically saying something to me like, well, I'm not perfect yet. I still have things that I wrestle with and that I struggle with and answers to questions I, I, I'm not yet, you know, settled with. And, and, and there's, there's still mess some places in my life. And, and, and then I always tell them, hey, that's true for every human that has ever lived. I say, that's true for me. That's true for all of us in this faith journey, right? Listen, let me be really, really clear. If you're waiting until you're perfect to get baptized, you're never going to get baptized, like, it just won't happen because that's not what's going to take place in this journey that we're on planet Earth in a fallen world. We, we need Jesus to actually help us to live the life that he's calling us to live. And, and baptism is just a public way of saying, hey, I'm, I've thrown my lot in with Jesus. I know I'm a mess. I need a Savior, and Jesus is my Savior. That's what it communicates. And, and so I just want to encourage you, if you're on that sort of, uh, that, that camp where you're saying, oh, I'm not yet ready, or I still have questions, let, meet with somebody. L let us talk with you. L let us kind of wrestle, uh, you know, some stuff through. There are some answers to some questions, and, and there, there, are, there is some help for you in your journey. I don't want you to feel like you have to do it alone. But friends, you need to know, if you trust Jesus, then you are ready for baptism. Okay, in the Bible, it happened immediately. There was no 12-week course. There was no, you know, you know, discipleship training. Like, it was, I believe, I belong, I'm ready, okay? And the last fill-in here is that baptism is a witness. Baptism is a witness. And what witness means, you might want to write this word instead, it means it tells a story. Baptism tells a story. And when you get baptized, you're telling a story about your love for Jesus and his love for you. You're telling that story to yourself, you're communicating that story to God, and you are telling that story to your family and your friends. It's a witness, it's, it's a beautiful story of how you are in a relationship with, of love with God, you are gonna follow Jesus with your life. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It does mean when you stumble, you come back to the Lord. You confess those things, you turn from them, and you come back to the Lord and say, let me grab hold of your hand again. I want to keep going. Okay, Friends, I just want you to understand that baptism, it's, it's a witness. It tells a story. It, it, it's that potent symbol that communicates a, a powerful inward commitment that you've made. And it's a turning, right? It's a turning uh, from a God-less kind of a life to a with God life. So Overlake, I just want to, in great love, tell you that when you love somebody, you have to tell them. And when you love somebody, you need to tell somebody else. All right, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now I have a feeling that there might be some in this room who have never said yes to you. They've never said, Jesus, I love you. I trust you. I don't have all the answers, but I want to walk with you in this lifetime and forevermore. Would you give them the courage to say something like that to you today? That they could step across the line of faith, that they could say, I'm in, I'm yours. Lord Jesus, when, I, when hearts make that decision, when people make that choice, the Bible says that all heaven celebrates and we celebrate right along with. And Jesus, I know that there are some here who have said yes to you, 
who have decided to trust you, but who have not yet decided to be baptized? Would you allow them to be courageous today? Would you allow them to step across the line of indecision and decide that it's time to not only tell you privately of their love, but to publicly take their stand and make a witness for you? And Jesus, we just want to say thank you for all of the good work you're doing in this church family. Thank you for all of the ways you are healing us, all of the ways you are carrying us, all of the ways you are pouring your love out over us. We need you so desperately, Lord, and we are so thankful that you love us so much. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.